2: Hello and welcome to the Nailer 9 podcast. It is episode 121 of the or 9 podcast and um, we have a very particular topic we're going to talk about on this show, Andrea, aren't we?
3: Yeah, so we originally had a completely different episode planned this week and uh, head fans, we're sorry, we don't know if we're going to get to that, but we might, so stay tuned, but... This week, we actually decided to scrap that to talk about something else, which is the newest installment of the New York Times Presents series uh, that was produced for FX and Hulu in the States, which aired this week. The New York Times Presents Framing Britney Spears. And if you're a fan of music, and particularly if you're a fan of pop music, you have probably either seen the documentary already, even though it hasn't aired in the UK and Ireland yet, or you've at least seen the headlines and the discussion around this uh, on Twitter or wherever you get your cultural conversation.
0: Brittany was so serious and so focused. This is a girl that's coming from strength. She was so open and vulnerable. How we treated her was disgusting.
2: Brittany had to navigate being told who she could be
1: and what she could do. People became fascinated with her sort of unraveling.
0: She accepted that the conservatorship was going to happen, but she didn't want her father to be conservative. That was her one request. And anytime there's that amount of money to be made, you have to question the motives of everyone close to that person.
2: Do they always have her best interest at heart? Something is going on behind the scenes here.
0: I didn't understand what a conservatorship is, especially for somebody capable of so much that I know firsthand she's capable of. Why is she still in this? Why is her dad making all of her decisions? Well, So
3: the story of Britney Spears is kind of the story that we haven't heard out loud yet. Um, It's about a star who shot to fame and we are seeing what is really the inverse of the story that we've been told, which is that Britney Spears was plucked from her talented youth where she was singing and dancing and being a very talented young girl and then went on to achieve global stardom had a breakdown for no reason and the rest is history and that's the version of the story that we've been told but framing Britney Spears is really a look at the framing devices that have defined Britney Spears, whether that is by the paparazzi, by the media, by the pop fans themselves, by bloggers like Perez Hilton, by documentary makers in the past, and of course by her father um, and the conservatorship battle that she is still going through to relinquish uh, control of her career, public appearances and assets and finances from her father. So during the week, I jumped on a Zoom call with writer, journalist and pop critic Louise Bruton to talk about the documentary and this sort of hidden world of Britney Spears, the conspiracy theories, what we know, what we don't. So listeners will hear her popping in during this episode because It is only right that we got someone like Louise in, or particularly Louise in, who I think is a a Britney Spears expert, while the two of us would not exactly be Britney Spears experts. I think that's probably fair to say, Noel. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's very. Yeah, say. But I think it's important also, I mean, it's great, we're, we're going to talk to Louise, Louise going to give us uh, great insights, we know that. But, you know, I think the reason we're talking about this now is because of this documentary. But also, you know, in the last few years, we'd all heard about the Free Britney hashtag and maybe the word conservatorship and kind of wondered what it was about. And the documentary really is a chance to understand what that means and why her fans are talking about it in such a strong way, because, you know, even thinking back to the idea of of, or that viral video of Leave Britney Alone, it kind of, this documentary helps explain. I think there's a lot of talk here about uh, control of artists, control of um, entertainment uh, people, their, the control of their finances. And we've seen a lot of this kind of stuff in the last 10 or 15, 20 years. You know, I see parallels between that and what happened to Kanye West last year and the way that people were talking about Kanye West. So while we think that Yeah, we've had documentaries like Amy, um, about Amy Winehouse and, you know, We've had people in the industry talk about how we need to look after artists and an increased focus on mental health. At the same time, there's still a lot of this happening. This is a particular issue because it's her father, Jamie Spears, who's in control. So we will get into more about that and just explain what all that is about. I thought the documentary was a very succinct way of understanding the story of Britney Spears. And not about the music, but more about the uh, control of her finances and at uh, the fact that she came from one of the mousketeers uh, very from a very young age and she was never really quite free uh, uh in the same way as most people are because you know the child star thing is is a particular beast this is uh, at the root of the problem it seems so but the documentary does a great job of explaining it 75 minutes does a great job of explaining where she came from who we think she is perhaps but also why she became basically a punch bag of pop culture, how she was kind of used by the paparazzi.
3: So I guess we can we can start with the with um the the framing itself. So this is obviously it's produced by the New York Times and it is directed by Samantha Stark and written by New York Times senior editor or senior story editor Liz Day. And it is a it, it is a story of Britney told by women, which is something that we haven't really seen yet. There are moments in the Throughout the documentary, when you watch it, where you're seeing Britney Spears interacting with paparazzi, you're seeing her interacting with um, interviewers, with hosts of huge television uh, shows. And it's rare that you actually see her interacting with women. So I think it it was really important for for women to tell this story. When she was speaking to Marie Claire, uh, she did a really good interview. Uh, Samantha Stark, the uh, director said, as we were researching for the film, it was hard to find coverage that was not written by men. It was hard to find people to interview at first who weren't men because so many of the usual suspects were men. Since we wanted to do this retelling, it felt like we need a female perspective on this. It's ridiculous that it hasn't happened yet. And I think that this documentary is a way to rectify that narrative. Um, it is. It's not ideal. The ideal scenario would be Britney Spears herself having the freedom to tell her own story um, but as is noted in the in the documentary that is probably not going to happen uh, anytime soon. We should say that Britney Spears was reached out to by the filmmakers and it was unclear to them whether or not she got the message so yeah it's a very interesting cast of characters in the documentary itself. It's, it kind of spans from lawyers Pop critics, fans, um, paparazzi, family, friends, uh, but of course that notable absence is is Britney herself, who doesn't have the legal control to appear publicly, and from whom we we might never.
2: Indeed, anyone's actually involved in, in from the family and who's involved in a conservatorship. Yeah. So should we explain that? So because that's kind of the crux of this whole um, documentary and explain what that sure. actually is.
3: So Br- Britney's conservatorship, it. It is something in the documentary, it's noted that conservatorship is rarely used for somebody as young as Britney Spears. It's usually enacted when somebody doesn't have the physical or mental capacity to control their own assets. And what it means is that Britney does not have access to or control of her own finances. She doesn't have control of her career. She cannot make creative decisions. When your career and your means of making money and your means of self-expression are, as an artist, taking away those liberties means that you are controlling the life of
2: this person. So in the documentary, you know, we hear it's a very short, positive history of Britney as the pop star coming through. Uh, what, What becomes very apparent very quickly is that well, her dad is not painted in a good light, straight up. Anyone who talks about him just t- says all he ever talked about was the money and how she was going to make him famous and get him a big car or a big boat, whatever it is. The painting of him in this documentary is literally that he wants money and he's not really interested in looking after his uh, daughter. There's, But generally, there's a through line here of... Misogyny around uh, Brittany in terms of, you mentioned, about, you know, it's mostly men talking to her. But as well as that, like, it talks about the fallout of the, the Justin Timberlake relationship, which was such a big deal at the time, and how the line of questioning around um, everything to do with that relationship, she was blamed for everything that happened with Justin Timberlake. He blamed her, and as a result, everyone, the line of questioning became, oh, you're not that innocent. What did you do to him? I have to ask a couple of things about Justin.
0: Okay, of course.
1: He has gone on television and pretty much said, you broke his heart, you did something that caused him so much pain, so much suffering. What did you do?
2: Her image was being painted as, oh, what did you do to cause the breakup? You must have done something. Not him. Britney Spears has upset a lot of mothers in this country, starting with the wife of the governor of
0: Maryland. Really, if I had an opportunity to to shoot Britney Spears, I think I would. Oh, that's horrible. Well, she,
1: that's really bad. Because of the example for kids and how hard it is to be a parent.
0: Well, that's really sad that she said that. Ew. I'm not here to, you know, babysit her kids.
2: So this became this the real start of the a uh, prodding into her private mm. life and showing the real double standard that this um her she has lived through as a female pop star because you know he justin didn't have that and the same it's like following on from like the super bowl situation where justin and performed with Janet that year and he was where where there was a malfunction, wardrobe malfunction, but he was not somehow implicated in that mm-hmm. at all. So when it comes to the Britney thing, it's like, I think it's really interesting because there is that through line there of misogyny uh, throughout the whole uh, line of questioning around her. I thought it was really interesting when we got to the paparazzo being interviewed. I think the more time goes on the, and the more you see and feel what that might be like to live in a world where you're being followed around by people at all times beyond just seeing photos in on the screen or in a magazine just seeing what that would actually be like and feeling you really feel that experience in the documentary and just the fact that this paparazzo could not understand how following her around could see how damaging yeah. that would be It was like she was being nice to them because she had no other choice to be and he did not see that she it may he couldn't objectively even see that it this might actually be bad it's for one
3: of her. the starkest moments of the documentary when when he says she she never asked uh, she never asked us to leave her alone um to which the interviewer says what about when she asked you to leave her alone i, I don't really think and i don't really believe because You know, working on
2: her for so many years, she never gave a clue or information to us that I don't appreciate you guys. Leave me the F alone.
0: What about when she said, leave me alone?
2: There were times where she like, can you leave me alone for the day? But it wasn't like, leave me alone forever. You know
3: what I mean? I saw somebody put up on Twitter, a, a screen grab of that, of just those two lines which is the caption of this this is the problem with men <laughs> and it, and it is it 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 sums up a it sums up the kind of ownership that um that the media and the media at this time and arguably today is run by men um It is men who are buying these photographs. It's men who are taking these photographs. It's men who are commissioning people to go out and hound people. And I think that part of the problem there was that American media and culture did not know how to handle a young female pop star that had the fame that Britney Spears had. There simply wasn't anybody who who was in the media, who was her level of fame and also her age, her particular look, the kind of the dichotomy between the Southern Christian girl and the Lolita sex object. And it it really speaks to to the misogyny. Um, I spoke to Louise about what the
1: pop landscape was like before Britney Spears and how she changed it? Well, the thing I think about Britney Spears was and like the likes of like, say, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC who kind of came later, we never really had that many teen pop stars performing for a teen market. Like before then you would have had like maybe... The Spice Girls, who were then in their kind of early 20s, I assume. Um, And then you would have had the likes of maybe like Tony Braxton, TLC. Like these were these were all adults who were performing on MTV, but it was largely a child and teen audience. Uh, teen girls would be the biggest consumers of like pop music and pop culture. But then there was the, probably the stereotype where they're like teen girls or young girls only like boys. So that's where that came along. But then when Britney Spears came along, she just sort of captured the attention of not just america but like the, the the entire world with the release of her of her first single so her first single was 1998 and then the album came in 1999 so we had we had like a good run of of this pop star who was still kind of in the development stages as they were going through with baby one more time the single and the fact was that she was a teenage girl who actually looked like a teenage girl and who was singing these very teen sentiments like the fact the line is my loneliness is killing me Like that is the most melodramatic line that you could probably have. You could then kind of look to her and aspire to her to be as something that you could be when you eventually became a teenager. And I think that that was then solidified with the release of like the single Sometimes, which was just, but she just captured this sort of teen dream of like, you just want to be this like beautiful athletic teen who seems to have just men falling at her feet, but she's still like trying to figure out her place within the world of being this like, this teen dream she stood out even more because at the time she initially she was just the one and then eventually kind of Christina Aguilera who came not that long after her and then Jessica Simpson and then Mandy Moore it just started this like effect so then that effect kind of became watered down in the same way that the boy band effect became watered down because some people wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between Back Boys and NSYNC and like all of that kind of thing and then that eventually became The case with the kind of the blonde pop gals. But Britney Spears was Mm -hmm. the first of that generation. So she is the definitive pop princess. That Britney Spears just came out alone. So that's why I think that she just made such an immediate impact.
2: So for me, the idea of a paparazzi following you around, and even if they're being nice to you on the surface, I mean, that's a form of public torture. It's like, you know, it's like being waterboarded. Being waterboarded is like a small thing that over and over again happens and it makes you feel like you're going to die. It makes you feel like you are trapped. Um, and that is exactly what is But being followed around every day by a load of <laughs> paparazzi is like. Oh. What's oh, up guys? Let her out. Come on go. Back up. Back
1: up. Back up. Back up. Let her out. Let her out. Let her out. Oh,
3: oh, let her out.
0: Off her
1: 7 2008 that's when like things were like really really bad for Britney um but like the the shaving her head incident that was kind of like the peak moment but I was building up for so long beforehand that, beforehand gossip sites like Perez Hilton and The Superficial every single day they had a story about Britney Spears and like this is me being someone who was in college with dial-up internet in Dublin yeah. I knew exactly what was happening on the streets of Los Angeles because, like, they were being hounded by her. There was this, like, a higher consumption of, like, gossip. So what mm. happened with Britney Spears was she probably did have a relationship with the paparazzi in the beginning where she would maybe kind of let like let them know where she was because beforehand she would have been used to giving the exclusive interview with rolling stone with us weekly with people where she would have maybe have had a good relationship with them and she'd be kind of like yeah absolutely no problem and like there is one thing that's always said about britney spears is that she is incredibly polite like there's one thing that she always says is i am a southern girl but then it got to the point where their narrative changed Um, Because the narrative around Britney did change after the split from Justin Timberlake where it was suddenly like, oh, the good girl cheats. Oh, the good girl has sex. The good girl um, goes out and parties. And this was like in around when she was like turning 21 as well. So that was all kind of like linked up. And then you could see things where they were they were fully just like hounding her. And it kind of came to see that her social life was just driving around Los Angeles. Like that—that that was what she did. Like she wasn't necessarily going to clubs because she couldn't go to clubs anymore because there was no privacy there. So she used to just like drive the streets at night, and the paparazzi would follow her. So that's why, if you ever like look look up like Britney Spears paparazzi photos, she's almost always at like petrol stations or using public yeah. public toilets in petrol stations. Like that was that was her life—just kind of going to and from, or like driving to and from Starbucks. And then the kind of images as she was kind of becoming mentally very visibly unwell the way that it was like documented it wasn't done in a in a caring way um I think there's like a Rolling Stones article that's all about how she went into a boutique and she was wearing a white t-shirt and she was wearing a pair of underwear and a pair of like fishnet leggings and they weren't kind of like oh I hope she's okay they just kind of went into detail They're like, and she had stains on her t-shirt and she had menstrual strains on her underpants and she blah, blah, blah. Like it was just, it was just like this mess of a woman. Like there was no consideration. There was no nothing. And it did become like a full blown circus. So when she was then having a gradual breakdown, there's like videos of her full on sobbing on like street curbs and in restaurants. Like there's, there's a video of her holding her baby inside a restaurant and she is sobbing and she's by herself. And there's no one going to near her to ask her if she's okay and it's just like close a paparazzi just like taking this like video of her through a window and we consumed it she's kind of like an archival history of what not to do in terms of dealing with person with mental health issues but also in in media consumption but all of that footage is still there whereas nowadays that's yeah. all removed as, as soon as it's put up
2: and i think after the justin thing then we have she Ke, brittany gets into a relationship with kevin federline and they have uh, two kids and that becomes a whole it's it's a difficult relationship it's a we don't really know exactly what the what's happening there but essentially there's wrestle over the control of the kids and this is played out in public every time she goes into public with her kids. She's there, she's photographed. And there is the interesting one, I thought, was um, the first thing that kind of signals that there's a picture of her where she's holding her baby in the front seat uh, while she's driving her car. And she explains it to Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, of course, was a uh, Me Too a couple of years ago. But she explains it to him. She's like, well, first of all, it's said that. This is something her dad used to do, as if to signal that he was a bad father himself. And then secondly, he said, she was saying, you know, she just wants to get She was trying to get away from the paparazzi who were hounding her the whole time. And yes, she made a decision that maybe she shouldn't have. But the starkness of what Matt Lauer asks her is like, is Brittany a bad mom?
0: You've got all these legitimate people weighing in saying, you know what? That's dangerous. And she put her child at risk. You saw the questions that were being asked: Is Brittany a bad mom? Mm-hmm. I mean- That's America for you. <laughs>
3: what what the documentary showed very well was that it again framed what the, what the actual context is when you are being followed by paparazzi. You you likened it there to to kind of to. To waterboarding, it is a slow torture, and it is ownership. I mean, it, when when you're talking about the early to mid 2000s, a photograph of Britney Spears, as is noted in, in the documentary, could go for a million dollars. That is that that is something that can make or break uh, a newspaper, a magazine, a paparazzo. It, it makes and breaks careers. So the ownership over Britney Spears's body. There was a financial interest from people who are bad actors um, in in that and she doesn't get to not smile. She doesn't get to not be polite to them and it is something that we've only really come to terms with as a culture and as women in the past decade, two decades maybe. arguably it's still going on, the, the, the expected politeness of women, the expected um, complicity in having their narrative controlled by somebody else. Because when, when Britney Spears decides to be polite to paparazzi, um, that's really not her decision. Because if she isn't polite to them, it can ruin her career and it can make the career of men. So it's, it's a very interesting ownership and power play that she resisted then during her during her breakdown and something that I found really quite illuminating about the moment when she shaves her head publicly and as well as that the moment when she quote-unquote attacks a paparazzi's car with an umbrella is that we are shown the moving images of those moments and when we've been like we're so used to seeing video now when you decide as as a as a photo editor to publish a photograph of Britney Spears where she is where she looks anguished and scared and quote unquote manic while she's shaving her head or where she's mid quote-unquote attack on a paparazzi with a with an umbrella you are deciding what the story is and what I really liked about the documentary is that it didn't it didn't just show those photographs it showed the context around them they showed her as as a moving living breathing body and not as an image and not as a, a, an iconic moment in time which I think had had been the push-up up until then. I mean even if you think about her her famous you, you say the Rolling Stone cover you immediately know what people are talking about. And what I think the documentary did really well was to contextualize her as a as a living person and not just as a a still image. And the, the, Louise speaks a bit about this as well.
1: Well actually there was one thing that I was really grateful in the documentary was that they used only flattering footage of her. Because I think Mm. a lot of the time, and this is probably why Beyonce has kind of like taken such control over what photos of her are published from like concerts and all that. For every stunning photo of a performer on stage, there's going to be a really unflattering angle. And you can do that with any performer as fit or as healthy or whatever they are. But with Britney Mm. Spears, a lot of the time media does go for the least flattering photo of her. Even if she is actually really healthy and like looking great. It's just decided to make Britney look bad. And like she kind of yeah. was, she was the running joke for a long time. For a long, long time. Say on X Factor, there's so many, when she was a judge on X Factor, there's so many videos of her where she just doesn't look like she knows where she is. And the footage that they chose to use, she was clear, she was present, she was articulate. Um, I think that that was very good because I think a lot of the time we've just, we've just chosen to see the bad stuff. Um, yeah, but a lot of the time there, there is a coherence and like, she's, she's always looked great. Like, but it was just a lot of the time people choose to look at the bad photos and be like, oh, she's a mess.
2: Yeah. And that, you know, I mean, in the context of, of, of the act of shaving her head, which was, see, was the story in the media at the time was such like, oh, look, she's gone crazy. She's lost her mind. I mean, it's simply an act of frustration, an act of self-control, of self-assertion. Um, you know, we can see that now you're being followed when, you know, your visitation rights to your kids are being taken away and your fa- the father of your children is refusing to let you see your kids. And I mean, and then you have people following your every move. You've no, You have no personal space <laughs> at all. You have no private life
3: you can only lash out on the thing that people are exploiting you for which is your image so when she shaved her head what i thought was so amazing about that moment and seeing it in video was how ecstatic and liberated she looked she i i found myself rooting for her in that moment i was like yeah girl shave your head don't let them dictate what you can and can't do with your body because she has had she she hasn't had ownership over her body since she was 8 years old she has been primed and prepped and taught to be a pop star and I mean when you're talking about somebody who is entering a pop arena in 1998 our ideas of body image for women were were completely different then and they actually went on to be defined by Britney Spears. I mean if you think about what the what the defining beauty standard for women in the 1990s and early 2000s was, it was the stomach. You know, you you could argue now that it's it's the Kim Kardashian curves, but at that time, it was a flat, flat stomach. And I mean, there's, there's a moment that I was actually a bit disappointed it wasn't included in the documentary, but there's a moment where she appears on TRL in the US, and I think it's Carson Daly interviewing her, and she had had her belly button pierced. And this was international news and she she flashes the belly button and you can see that she's a bit uncomfortable and you can see that she's thinking why is this such a big deal
0: talk about we got the grammys to talk about we got a new album to talk about we oh, need yeah. to get into a video but first got some you uh, got some belly news from what i understand oh, yeah. i pierced my belly <laughs> oh let's have a look can we see oh yeah i guess so oh, oh, ow. oh <laughs> wow it and you're making really the big bad. announcement one more time one more okay. time we got to get a good shot of that <laughs> Ooh! this is the, we got the scoop. This is a big announcement.
3: But she came to like her stomach, as silly as it sounds, came to define what the broader landscape of women's bodies and women's body ideals meant. And to have that on one person to on one young woman is is such a it's it, it's incomprehensible to 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 anybody who hadn't gone through it, and so I I, I think that moment of her shaving her head because the other iconic kind of thing about her was her blonde hair, and everything that that represents in white heteronormative American media in in the 1990s and 2000s, she, you know, she's a good Christian girl, she's white, she's got blonde hair, she's innocent, she prays to God, she says her please and thank you, she has to
2: talk about her virginity, yeah. um, she. You know, she has to be nice to everybody, no matter how mean they exactly. are to her. Like, there's some footage in, in where, I, I don't know if it's in it, it's something like in a, some sort of European TV show or something like that, where he's like, We have to talk about your yeah. breasts. And it was like, And
3: she's what? just smiling.
2: Everyone's talking about it.
3: Why?
2: Well, your breasts. <laughs> My breasts. You seem to get furious when a talk show host comes up with this subject. And she's just like, Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And when she does get shave her head, what she says is that she doesn't want anyone to touch yes. her when she's doing yeah. it.
3: And I think that that's that that that's a that's a physical uh, protest. And it's also when she says "touch her," I think she means that metaphorically as well. That it is a that she feels in that moment like the paparazzi are on her, that they are physically uh, harassing her, and. To take away the freedom of somebody to be able to walk to and from her car or to be able to stop at a petrol station or to go in and out of a shop without without having to smile, without having to stop. And Jesus, I, I can count on maybe my two hands the amount of times in my life that men have told me to smile or you know, smile will never happen, or you have such a lovely smile, why don't you smile? And all, those 10 times, even thinking about them now, I'm furious. I cannot imagine what it is like to have to rely on politeness for your job. Um, and that, that level of misogynistic politeness and Christian politeness and the, the extent to which she is held up as the ideal woman was absolutely astounding.
2: What follows in 2008 is really third act of this story. Um, You know, um, we're talking about a person who's uh, suffering mentally because she has no private life. She's been followed everywhere. Um, And she loses visitation rights of her kids. And at the same time, her dad files for the conservatorship. So, I mean, as a reminder what the conservatorship is, you're basically taking over somebody's affairs, somebody's life, somebody's business and because they can't do it themselves. So since 2008 to currently, present day, uh, February 20, 2021, Britney Spears has not been in control of her own life or business affairs, even though in that time she has spent a lot of it performing and doing tours and all that kind of stuff and do it, making brand deals and all this kind of things. She has been <coughs> under... Uh, a form of coercion that allows, that means that, in order for her to see her kids, in order for her to have access to her kids, and for her to, for her to, to have some sort of private life, um, her father Jamie is in control of her, both her state and her mm. person.
3: And something that's really important about the conservatorship during that time is that she was um under she, she undertook one of the or i think the most successful las vegas residency in history that is not something that you can do you like you you cannot go out there and perform every night unless you are well enough to control your own career your own life your own finances that, that's not something that is a thing. And I need to check the timeline on this. I'm not sure it, precisely when it happened, but it's, it's shown in the, in the documentary that the conservatorship was altered so that it became a kind of a hybrid conservatorship slash business opportunity for the people who were controlling her narrative. So the onus on the people who are controlling her career and her life her father. For for him to leave that, for him to not want to partake in that anymore, it wouldn't make sense for him financially. Like there is is now, once that happens, an incentive for him to run her conservatorship like a business. And that is something that a US court approved, which is just, it's genuinely astounding.
2: And the... The documentary does explain, you know, with the conservatorship, there is a co-conservator called Andrew yeah. Wallet, who um, has been doing. this Also, for
3: his name being Wallet and- is uh, it's so on the nose, <laughs> isn't it? Andrew Moneybags, Andrew, I want money now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And who asked for yes. more money Um, <laughs> just before just before he resigns, which it kind of helped start this free Britney movement more than ever because, you know, here are people who were going... And at the time, you are like, what is going on? When you are seeing... You're starting to see... At the very early days, when you're starting to see the free Britney movement, you were like, what is going on here? Is this... You know, and I like the fact that uh, it talks about, even if it's... We don't know if it's true or not, but the idea that, um, you know... Britney's Instagram, when she does actually start her Instagram, you know, contains these coded messages to give out to her fans because they're looking for some sign that she's okay and she wants some sort of help because she has no control over the narrative. I I
3: managed to coax some conspiracy theories out of the weeds, actually, um, from this, and she has a lot to say
1: on uh, on the the Instagram conspiracy, (laughs) which I think is brilliant. Well, the the free Britney thing kind of was like only kind of came up around kind of like twenty eighteen. Um, because, like, she did, she does have periods where she just, like, disappears. Britney didn't always have, like, the passwords to her, like, her social media. She fully yeah. now has access to her Instagram account. Like, we know that that's her uploading those videos. But then she disappeared for a while. And then she returned. But, like, the way that she typed just wasn't the same. So there was just all of these... I don't know. There's mad rumours that, like, other people had seized kind of hold of her, of her account and all that kind of thing. But, like, people have been... Like, this is, this is my big, again, like, chill had (laughs) it. I believe that there is someone in Britney's camp who has been intentionally trying to sabotage her career to make her look more unwell than she actually is. So that people can all be like, she's crazy, don't listen to her. Say, like, do you remember the music video for Gimme More? Where it's like her dancing in a strip club. There is a different video of that that exists where she looks amazing she is dancing brilliantly like it's one of those videos that kind of goes up to youtube and is is then removed for like copyright infringement and all that but the video that exists she looks out of it she looks like she can't dance it looks really cheap it looks really trashy yeah but there is a second video that exists and she looks unreal and she is smiling and the whole thing is just like it's just a better it's a better video so that video wasn't released And then this really shoddy crap video was released. So like that kind of thing has happened quite a few times in her. So there's just like all of these little things where it's like sloppiness, where it's probably trying to make it seem like the whole thing's a mess, but it's just so intentionally done because you know that there is a better version that exists. So like that, that's why I think that there's, that's why I think someone is trying to sabotage her career so that people don't take her seriously.
3: I think it's an interesting time for us to be grappling with the idea of a conspiracy that isn't isn't something that we're rolling our eyes at. Uh like the, the the Free Britney movement is so sorry, not the movement, the the thing that the movement is moving against is so bizarre and is so otherworldly to us that yes, it it can sound like a complete conspiracy theory and it's a weird time to be grappling with that um given our relationship with conspiracy theories now. I think the movement really underscores just how seriously pop fans and Britney fans are taking this. In my opinion, it's no coincidence that the movement hasn't been taken as seriously as it should have been, uh, due to the fact that it is run by primarily women and LGBT pop fans who are people both inside and outside of the music industry who just aren't really taken that seriously. And I think the documentary did a really good job of showing how serious the The actual fight to to free britney is that this isn't fan conspiracies. this isn't people looking for hidden messages on an instagram where there aren't any like this is this is a serious legal battle that is happening with one of the world's most famous women who we haven't heard from in years um and it's something that deserves to be taken seriously I think and it should it shouldn't matter whether it's in pop or not because pop pop music is not frivolous pop music is a multi 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 billion dollar industry there are vested interests there are economies that can rise and fall on the uh, on the back of pop music and when you look at a country like America that relies so much on celebrity culture for its own cultural identity the, the story of Britney Spears is indicative of what can go right and what can go wrong. And I I think it's it's a really defining narrative in the history of American culture because America is such a new country and it ha- it leaned into celebrity more than anywhere else in the world. Like our whole ideas of celebrity culture stem from America. And arguably, you, you could say that the... the the story of the American dream and what that actually looks like for human beings can be found in Britney Spears.
2: And of course this is the conservatorship battle is ongoing. It's in court just this week, even, even. So again, this is ongoing. This is going to happen. There's another hearing schedule for March 17th. This is something that's happening right now. And so this isn't something that we've, it isn't over. And that is why that free Britney movement is there. And that's why it's still going. And this is, um, Shining a light, um, the documentary certainly does shine a light on Britney and the problems around it and the conservatorship and kind of ludicrous craziness that it entails, like looking after... Making all personal and business decisions for uh, a person who is clearly able to look after herself at the moment and uh, has no problem doing world tours, and um, in the meantime, uh, for pop fans, what that means is she has said she is scared of her father and she refuses to uh, perform until he has stepped down from the conservatorship. So that's the way of her wrestling back control in some way.
3: I think for, for for young pop fans now who might watch this documentary. I feel such a sense of shame um for how how Brittany was treated and i there the, were throughout the documentary I tried to watch it from a a kind of an objective space because i I was a teenage girl while all of this was happening, and I was to to varying degrees engaging with it or not engaging with it and I think that the what the documentary really showed was the Shameful attitudes of of everybody really towards you towards Britney as as a young woman. I don't believe in this whole we are all to blame narrative. I I have to say that though. I do, I don't like the idea that people are coming out and saying that that people are coming out and saying that that the fans are to blame for for reading it in the first place. No, it's it the the onus here and the duty of care is solely on the people who are, who are benefiting financially from the demise of Britney Spears' mental health. This is, this, like, that. that is very important to say. There, there have been some responses, uh, two notable ones, uh, since the documentary came out. Glamour magazine uh, wrote an apology to Britney on their Instagram on Tuesday and said, we are all to blame for what happened to Britney Spears. I understand where they're coming from there. I don't necessarily agree from it. And blogger Perez Hilton, who I was disappointed to not see more of or about in the documentary, to be honest. I was hoping that he would... I mean, you have to assume he was reached out to. Like it, it would be insane to have the story of yeah. Britney Spears. Did it
2: say at the end of the documentary it says all these people were reached out to, but I think it would mostly focused on the yeah, family. Yeah,
3: but 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 Perez Hilton wasn't involved in, in the documentary and didn't have a say in it. Whether or not he was reached out to, I'll have to check. But um, I, w- I was hoping for for just just a, a, a point in the narrative where he, where his influence on her career was recognized. So he's speaking on his podcast uh this week said my words and actions were wrong i was nasty meal mean cruel inconsiderate awful i have apologized to Brittany, not just publicly but privately but of course perez hilton's career is still going and it's still going in 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 the same way there's there is a a market for the kind of thing that perez hilton produces and um,
2: yeah, the salubrious gossip has, is still has value in today's society, and
3: I hope that it continues to get smaller. And I hope that his career doesn't have many years uh, ahead of it. Uh, I mean, I only only from reading that quote did I learn he had a podcast. Uh, so, but again, that's not that's not my world. So maybe not the the conversation that this has sparked cannot be and isn't solely around the legal implications of the conservatorship it is centered on our treatment of women, our treatment of young women, especially and our, our ownership over pop stars. And I think it did that really, really well. I I wish it was longer. I, it was what 70 odd minutes. I, I kind of wish it was feature length because I, I do think that there were things that I wanted to see more of, but I thought it did a great job. Yeah.
2: But I think it was nice that it just focused on, you know, the conservative. I think there is a, an untold story around Britney that, um, you know, will come out and hopefully it'll be with her blessing. Um, But also I just want to say like, I mean, you're seeing the control, uh, like control in pop music and control of um, entertainment and celebrities is something that, you know, We've talked, we like it's currently a very hot button uh, issue in in pop culture. Look at um Taylor Swift and um her masters being taken uh, from her from Scooter Braun, and then her trying to relinquish control by f- recording new versions of these songs. It is something that uh, comes back that is perennially around us um to do with pop culture because whoever controls the narrative, whoever controls the music, whoever controls the licensing, all that kind of thing, publishing, and um, they are in control of the story and the money and then the artist is no longer
3: it's really not enough to do this lip service thing of uh, is isn't it great that she's looking after her mental health yes it is absolutely no one is arguing with that but when you look at how the how, how to meet media landscape and particularly the kind of pop mainstream landscape has like this the, what, what is happening or what, what happened to Britney hasn't changed. It's just changed its target. If you look at reality TV stars over the past decade or so or, or, or 15 years, reality TV stars are, are, are being subjected to the same torture as Britney Spears. They're like the the rise of social media has meant that, yes, you, you can control your narrative a little bit more. But. But not really like there's there's still gossip magazines and there's still gossip web or probably not magazines, but there's still gossip websites that are treating young people who are in reality television, who are in K-pop, who are in these spaces like they are toys and dolls and stories and clicks. So just because no one's buying Heat magazine anymore doesn't mean that there isn't an industry that is running on the gradual decline of the mental health of young people and to say that we've like what a a lot of the narrative that is kind of coming out now around this is a lot of people patting themselves on the back and saying haven't we come so far I don't believe we've come that far Amy Winehouse didn't die that long ago um the conversation around Kesha didn't happen that long ago this is something that we're still dealing with and it is the it is the ownership of young people's bodies, particularly women's bodies, the sexualization of teenagers, the, uh, the 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 victim blaming of young people. And it has to stop because people people are dying and people have been dying. And the fact that Britney Spears has lived this long is astounding. And that's that's a really stark thing to think about. Like if 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 you were hedging your bets in 2004, you would not have said that in 2021, Britney Spears would still be alive because the precedent for that just isn't there. Um, um, yeah, I get really angry about this.
2: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, I think. And anyone who, if you can get a copy, uh, I know the documentary was going up on YouTube and being disappeared. It's not the probably the best place to see it because you know um, it is a a Hulu FX production with the New York Times, and uh, the best way to see it is uh, through an official source. Or um, you know, if you're if you're good with VPNs and all that kind of stuff, you may be able to find a version of it. But um, you know, I'm sure it will be shown at some point um, in some sort of Irish airtime um, or, or UK or European that we may be able to access as well okay um, do we have any
3: I think we can probably give the final word on uh, on what it's like to be a Britney Spears fan now uh, to Louise Bruton and uh, thank you so much to Louise for her uh, contribution to this episode I don't think I would have been able to understand the, um, the, the nuances of the Britney narrative without having chat to her so thank you Louise what what is it like to be a britney spears fan now today
1: like i love i like i love britney spears like she's probably the thing that i'm most passionate about um mm. like just because she is she's iconic but yeah as a britney spears i've had to defend my my choices <laughs> for for years <laughs> um, because like most people are yeah. like she can't sing she can't dance her music's crap um and then because from a certain point On like um, from about like two thousand and nine on, you're just kind of like, oh, I actually just want the best for her. So then when people are like slagging off her music or her dancing, you're like, no, there's so much more going on, and people and people like fully were just like, yeah, whatever, she's shit. And it's like, and now I see I see those same I see those same people being like, poor Britney, we we need to look Mm -hmm. after her. Like that's that's fully happening now. So I see you all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right, we will be back um, next week with a special chat uh, to Wyvern Lingo, who have a new album out um, at the end of this month. And we will be chatting to them all about some influences, um, some songs that influenced them, and their recording of their second album, "Awake, You Lie," and also some chat about some interesting things that they may be doing around the album and the release, uh, including a candle. Mm. So, yes, a Wyvern Lingo candle. So do stay tuned to that. That will be out uh, next week. And uh, in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing and you want to su- keep supporting us, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash uh, 909. I do playlists and all sorts of things. I'm um, uh, Substack.com.
3: Follow Louise at Luberacci on Twitter and read all of her brilliant writings. Um, she has a thread at the moment actually on her Twitter of some of the articles she's written about Britney Spears I highly recommend giving those a read um, she's a an excellent critic and a Stone Cold legend
2: there you are legend alright Louise and uh, Andrea thank you thank so you know. much and uh, we will be back
0: Bye. next week